Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Interlude episode 34.5, ultimate episode 78. So since I recorded last, one of the things that uh, we've been doing in preparation for Halloween is watching a series of Halloween movies and other things along those lines. Um, some of our personal favorites as a family is Clue. Um, actually, that's probably one of my all-time favorite movies. I don't even know that it's really constituted a Halloween movie, but it is pretty darn spectacular. Um, some hilarious dialogue. Uh, and then things like Hocus Pocus and some of those other classics as well. Uh, however, once in a blue moon, you run into a situation where, you know, you're not able to sit down as a whole family to watch one of these. And we don't like to do it part way. We like to do everything as the family when we do that stuff. So sometimes when we have to break off, the kids go do schoolwork or something. We'll put on something else that uh, we can all just sit back and enjoy as people come and go. And I'm a huge, huge fan of um, natural disaster movies. I don't know what it is about it, but like my anxiety is like weird from that standpoint. I can't stand interpersonal drama, but when it comes to like world ending drama, totally fine. So um, anyways, we watched Deep Impact. And for those of you who don't know, that's a movie that came out right around the same time that Armageddon did uh, with a very similar plot. And the, this is the thing I'm going to say about this movie is... Morgan Freeman makes the coolest president ever. Um, and uh, it was a way better movie. I, it's been decades, literally, since I have seen it. And uh, it's a way better movie than I remember thinking it was. So I, I'd encourage you to sit down. I, I mean, certainly sad at points, but it was a really, really good movie. So throwing that out there. Um, it's been a weird Halloween. Uh, where we live right now, they released just days before Halloween um, because our numbers for COVID have been rising in a really bad way um, that we can't have gatherings of more than 10 people. So it, it's definitely turned Halloween into an odd thing. We didn't do any trick-or-treating. We didn't give out candy. Um, but we did spend some time playing some really fun games. And one of the games we were introduced to, even though it's been around for a long time, is a game on the Switch called Jackbox, I think. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of different like mini games you can play, but you play them like on your phone, but the group of people and uh, with the TV and it's really, really fun. So I'm, I'm really eager to invest into it ourselves. It's one we don't have um, and start trying to play that. So that was loads of fun. And I'm so glad we had that chance to spend some time with some family and uh, our kids got a chance to spend some time with them, too. Uh, so that was that was fun. I'm also very excited for the, the fact that the season two with Mandalorian uh, has, has started back up. We haven't started watching it yet, but it is back up. So that's really cool. And uh, the latest My Hero Academia movie, which came out at the beginning of the year, I think I shared in the podcast that awkward um, adventure we had when we went to see it. Um, but the movie itself was really good. Uh, has finally come out in digital form. So we bought that. We haven't rewatched it yet, though. So I'm very excited to do that soon. Um, so just some thoughts uh, uh, that have occurred to me over the last week or so. Uh, this was actually something that my wife mentioned to me, which I found really fantastic. Um, you know, we, we often think about the five stages of grief in relation to loss, uh, a, a, a passing of a loved one or a permanent separation or whatever the case may be. And she recognized and pointed out that, that those five stages of grief transcend that. Um, they also go into things like, you know, let's say you, you have a person that you either discover has some form of uh, disability or um, gains uh, a, a new disability. And, uh, you know, so there's, there's a certain degree of loss or separation that happens there, even if that loss or separation is in the form of, um, viewing things from how you wanted them to be 
versus reality. Uh, you know, uh, a person you thought might be a star athlete and then something happens and they'll never be able to be an athlete again. Or, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're hoping somebody's be able to go through all the years of college and come away with a fantastic job and come to find out they may not be capable of living on their own and that kind of stuff. And so those five stages of grief uh, impact you in that situation as well, or impact all of us. And then the other area that my wife pointed out very wisely, I felt, was in this world of this pandemic, this COVID, uh, people keep trying to reach back and say, I want things to return to normal. Well, A, they'll never return back to normal. Um, society has to bend to the will of the really reality, even though we want to resist it and fight it at times. And because of that, that bending, that changing, it never goes back. Um it, it kind of goes back to the idea that what if we could go back in time? Well, you know, you, you want to be able to go back to a certain location at a certain time. But if you think about the way the universe is constantly expanding and moving and our solar system is spinning around the center of our galaxy, and we've talked about all this before, but there is no way to return back to where you were. If you did, you'd end up floating in space and die very rapidly. Um, and so we need to move on. And we really genuinely, for a lot of us, have to go through these five stages of grief to move on. So that's that's something that I thought was very profound and something I think we all need to think about. Are we holding on to something that we need to let go of? Um, I am going to say there's a whole song about letting go, and I'm not going to go into that. Anyway, so the other thought that I had uh, is related to a quote I may have shared already, but it's been on my mind a lot lately, and I want to share it again. Um, one of my favorite producers, directors, writers is J.J. Abrams. Uh, he's done a lot of fantastic and amazing stuff. And I know a lot of it's controversial because it's um, maybe not ended the way people wanted it to, etc. Um, one of my favorite movies, if I were to give a top 10, this would be in it, is the uh, soft rebooted Star Trek movie that came out some time ago uh, that J.J. Abrams did. Um, and and it, was, it was truly amazing. But one of the quotes that came from him is, Mystery is the catalyst for the imagination. And that quote apparently came from when he was younger. He and I think it was his grandfather went to one of those like mystery shops that they had back in the day. I don't know if they even exist anymore. And when they were there, uh, he either bought or received as a gift a box with question marks all over it. And what was in it was supposed to be a complete mystery. And this is when he was a child. And apparently he has still never opened that box with the intent of always wondering what is in it to keep that imagination alive. And um, I don't know, I, f I find that fascinating because it really makes you view the world a little differently. Um, so that's that's just kind of a cool food for thought. So on to the scripture uh, that I wanted to cover. Uh, this one, it's in the Book of Mormon, in the Book of Mormon, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. And it says, and about the time that Amaron, so the Amaron was a prophet, and this is after the, the Nephites have crumbled into war um, a few hundred years after Christ had come and visited them after his resurrection. Um, and uh, you know, the, the people were in pretty bad state uh, in lots of respects, you know, war, uh, society, spiritually probably more than anything. Um, so let me start over. And about the time that Amaron hit up the records unto the Lord, he came unto me. So this is referring to Mormon himself. I being about 10 years of age, and I began to be learned somewhat after the manner of the learning of my people. And Amaron said unto me, I perceive that thou art a sober child and art quick to observe. And um, there's actually a question posed in the lesson manual on this, but I really like the question, so I'm going to lean on it. 
Uh, and that is, what does it mean to uh, be quick to observe? Um, I, I don't have a clear answer to that one personally, but I really like the question because in the world we live in today, uh, there's a horrific amount of stuff going on, whether it be just the volume of data that we're at, that we have able to access, the volume of data that's being thrown at us, um, the, the volume of opinions that are out there, uh, the volume of things that people want to say is truth, um, the volume of things that people want to say is falsehoods. Um, you know, you hear about groups of people who are intentionally fighting back on not getting tested for COVID versus, you know, the other side of the fence. And so to me, this concept of, of being quick to observe is, I, I feel, leaning towards the um, lean not unto thine own wisdom, um, being aware of what's going on around you and understanding how Heavenly Father's plan applies to you and how you should react to the stuff that is going on around you, as opposed to leaning on the way the world thinks you should act or react. Um, I, I think that's very important that we identify that. Um, okay, so moving on from that to the series of jobs that I, that I shared that I was going to continue down. Uh, this is job number three in my list. Um, I, uh, I worked as a damp proofer. And, and what that is, is, is I worked for a small crew that would travel from construction site to construction site for new builds or even in some situations, remodels where they're adding foundations. Um, for those of you who don't know, the foundations are, for the most part, typically made out of concrete. And concrete is very porous, meaning um, it, it's got a lot of places where moisture can come and go. And we obviously don't want our basements flooding. And so um, what we do is we spray basically tar on these foundations, and that creates a barrier to moisture. Um, as one of those, let's call them grunt workers, uh, the crew I was part of was typically a crew of four, and we would go out to these sites, and one person would spray, one person would clean, because uh, we'd have to clean up the foundation, make sure we don't get on something dirty, or else it'll just come right back off again. Um, a lot of these foundations have um, metal ties sticking out of them that we have to break off, because where that metal enters or exits that foundation, is also a spot that's kind of a, for lack of a better word, a weak point in the foundation. So we have to make sure that that's covered in a, a thicker barrier of this tar. So needless to say, especially in the summer months, when you talk about like tar and feathering, um, there were days I would come home from work and I would be covered in tar. Now, not head to toe, because obviously I wasn't a moron and went like naked or anything, but my arms, my hair, my face, my neck, sometimes my legs, if I was silly enough to wear shorts um, and that kind of stuff. And and that tar, especially when it gets hot and it gets on your skin, I, I certainly understand uh, why people didn't like being tarred and feathered. Having said that, um, I, I share this experience because really, um, I would argue that this was probably the strongest foundation for me learning how to do hard things. Because it was hard. It was physically challenging and sometimes physically exhausting. Um, we would go to a job site. We'd do three or four foundations. We'd jump in the car. We would drive an hour to get to the next site. We would do it three or four more foundations. Um, you don't have a home base, per se. And so, you know, our home bases were gas stations. I ate more gas station hot dogs and drank more Mountain Dew than I could fathom. I also learned very quickly which gas stations had the cheapest Mountain Dew or the cheapest hot dogs and the best. Um, Holiday gas stations, by the way, at the time had the best and cheapest hot dogs, which was kind of cool. Um, but uh, it was, you know, good to know. Um, 
anyway, so that was a that was a big moment in my life transitioning into learning how to work hard, which really impacted my ability in the future um, when I was getting jobs. Because you know, reality versus perception. Perception is king. And if people perceive that you are working hard, now, admittedly, I felt like I was, but if they can see, especially from a contrasting from view from other people that you're working hard, um, it's easier to get noticed because that perception is paramount. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. By the way, as a footnote, if you ever get tar on you for any reason whatsoever, there is a special soap out there that uh, you don't use water, or at least back then, maybe things have changed. Um, and put it on this tar, and it, and it removes it very rapidly. Um, I hate things like soaps and lotions. That's part of my um, uh, sensory thing. Um, and so I would pick off the tar with my nails sometimes, and I, I think I've left some noticeable marks on my skin, um, but then rapidly learned that uh, that, was a, that was a stupid idea, and um, I used this special soap, and it removed it very quickly. So just something to keep in mind. All right, so moving away from that, um, here's kind of the, the, uh, the levity moment for this podcast, uh, in quotes, uh, money won't buy happiness, but it will pay the salaries of large research staff to study the problem End quote by Bill, uh, Bill Vaughn have a spectacular week, smile and be happy. Thanks for listening.